We're joined by ESPN's Brian Windhorst to talk about his recent feature on Bam and Abayo and his quest to be considered among the best big men in the NBA. Plus, we talk about Miami's ability to lure free agents, how the league values Heat players, and the latest reporting on Donovan Mitchell. All that and more on a special episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor of AllYouCanEat.com, and joining me as always is longtime NBA reporter David Ramil. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Excited today to be talking to Brian Winhorst, who wrote a great feature on Bam Adebayo for ESPN.com called Miami's Bam Adebayo Once In on the NBA's List of Elite Big Man. If you haven't read it, uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. Um, but I want to get to a bunch of stuff with you, Brian, about uh, the Heat, what they're looking at ahead of the trade deadline and all those things. But first, uh, for, well, first, first, thanks for coming on. Were you at the game <laughs> last night? Um, and, and what did you think of the Heat's win? I was not at the game last night. I am recovering from a fall earlier this week where I cracked some ribs. Oof. Wow. And so um, I am in L.A. and uh, I am I am on the uh, I'm on the injury list. I guess I was doubtful. I don't know. Um, Six to eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm I'm afraid. I've actually been texting with some NBA players who I know have had this injury, and the re- hmm. reports back are not good for what I'm in yeah. what I'm in for. So. Um, yeah, uh, so no, I didn't get too high. I wasn't at the game, but I watched it. And, um, you know, at ESPN, I don't know if you heard, but we sometimes talk about the Lakers. <laughs> so we broke it down in agonizing detail for the last, uh, you know, 17 hours. So, yeah. Well, what about the Heat's perspective? Because a lot of the conversation is uh, around the Lakers and what's going on with Darvin Ham and all that kind of stuff. But it does feel like the, the the Heat winning without Jimmy Butler and all that kind of stuff, to your point, did got, get swept under the wrong rug, at least a little bit nationally. Well, it was a little bit difficult for Darvin Ham to come out and say, well, you know, the reason we're 17 and 18, these are, I'm paraphrasing, he didn't actually say these exact words, but, you know, we've had all these injuries, we've had to change our lineups, and, you know, it's been really hard, and it's like, okay, I mean, that's a reasonable explanation, but the Heat started their 19th lineup, <laughs> uh, the, the the Lakers started their 10th, and, you know, quite frankly, I mean, I really think highly of um Nikola Jovic um, got to see him really star this uh, summer in Manila. Um, so I'm not surprised by him. I'm a, I'm a believer in his future. But, you know, still, they started a guy who was playing in the G League a couple weeks ago. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know Jaime Hawkins isn't your average rookie, but still he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're playing eight guys, and you're basically playing zone because you're trying to hide. A couple of them are terrible defenders. Um, and the Heat won the game kind of going away on a night when they didn't even like, look, if uh, Tyler hero goes 12 of 15, you know, if uh, you know, Duncan Robinson has one of his hot nights where he goes seven and nine from three. Well, look, it happens, but the heat didn't even shoot the ball. Well, they just, they just um, stitched it together in one, which is what the heat do. And Mm -hmm. so um, it was just the wrong night for Darwin to make that, uh, you know, to offer that up as a reason why they're not better because um, 
you know, and by the way, the players, at least, you know, some of the standout players, they were basically not using it as an excuse. But, um, you know, the Heat believe in that they have enough. That's their mantra. Sometimes it's not true, but that's their <laughs> mantra. And um, on this night it was. And, uh, you know, you can say a, a lot of stuff about the Heat, but you can't say you don't respect them. And you um, got to respect the way they approach the game. And I swear Eric Spolstra loves winning games like that more than he does. Oh, yeah. Full power. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I, I was just thinking last night as he was getting on that bus leaving, I'll bet he had one of those, you know, you know, bleep eaten grins right on his face. <laughs> just like a little, loved. like a little Tiger Woods fist bump, just like a little mm. one in the front seat. Big dog. Yeah. Big dog <laughs> to, uh, to Nikola Jovic. Big dog. <laughs> Um, you mentioned the word uh, respect there, and that and that ties right into the story that you just wrote about Bam. And I, I want to ask you about a specific thing in the story that I don't even know was the best part of the story. Uh, I don't know that it was even the most interesting part of the story, but it's just the one that it, I read it and it immediately stuck with me. And I've kind of been thinking about it. You were talking with Bam and about some of his goals and what he wants to do to, to get better and kind of be in that conversation with the elite big man in the NBA. And he says... I'm looking at my stat line and I'm like, how can I be better? And he goes on to list his averages before and what he could do now. He says, can I average 23 points? Can I average 11 rebounds? Can I get to three, uh, five assists instead of three? Instead of 0 0.8 blocks, how do I average 1.4? Yeah. And and Brian, I don't know if you had the same reaction as I did, but quite frankly, I didn't even know that Heat players knew that they recorded individual stats <laughs> in the box score because they just never talk about those things, right? It's always about heart, hustle, get on the floor, dive for loose balls, team wins are the only stat. And so to hear Bam talk about that quite openly was jarring. And I think it's the reason why it's sticking with me. What was your reaction when you heard that? Obviously, you thought it was important enough to include in the story. I liked when he said, I don't want to average 0.8 blocks. I want to average one point something because right. it's it's a weird thing to say. I don't so want specific. to average 0.8 something. Yeah, I mean, um, the thing about Bam is I think he's um, he's very – perceptive and he's very aware and he knows the score. Like I think the way he plays, he plays a very others and others. He plays a very team centric game. You know um, he's asked to do a lot of stuff that a lot of players wouldn't really want to do. And, you know, it's one of the things when Chris Bosch played center for the heat and Eric Spolstra was asking him to, to really work hard defensively. It kind of wore Bosch out. Um, you know, Bosch was already playing center, which he didn't really want to do. Mm -hmm. And he was already kind of playing a style he didn't love. Um, and they just they were making him trap on pick and rolls. And it required him to move his behind so much. And it was exhausting. You know, and Eric Spolster asked him to do that in November. It's one thing to do that in game right. four. Right. Um, and they're obviously a lot different players, but what the heat asked Bam to do is it's a lot, you know, they ask him to do a lot on defense. They ask him to do a lot on offense. And sometimes he just takes it in the chin. He is undersized, like 90% of the, he's either undersized or slower than the guy is defending. Mm -hmm. And like, they just, they, it's just expected. He's going to do it. And, you know, like he, he is never going to have the profile of Jokic and Embiid or Anthony Davis. It's just not going to happen. I mean, he wants that profile, 
he wants that money. I mean, I don't think it's like driving him the money, but I mean, who, I mean, you know, sure. I asked him about it and he gave a very affirmative answer about wanting to get the supermax. Um, and I just, you know, so you don't get that. You don't play that way without being, you know, team focused and perceptive to know like, this is how I'm going to work. And this is a guy, it was funny when he was talking about, he knows that Eric Spolstra, he knows when he's laying awake in his hotel room after a loss, he knows Eric Spolstra is in his always awake too. Mm-hmm. And, um, I said, do you text him like at four in the morning? You know, do you text him? He goes, no, no, I wait till the morning. But that right there is a heat player who lays up after a regular season game in the middle of the night going over a loss and is thinking about his coach doing the exact exact same thing. Um, And, uh, you know, one of the things that's happened for me, this is my 21st season covering the NBA. And the more I've gone along, <laughs> the more I enjoy uh, being around the heat. You know, I lived in Miami for a few years. It was sure. um, high intensity times. I don't think every, you know, I love being around the heat. Um, and it's, you know, in the playoffs I have the last couple of years earlier this year, I missed them here in LA this week, but. Uh, I was in Chicago with him earlier this year <clears throat> for a few days. And, you know, wonderfully, nothing ever changes. <laughs> like, Spolstra is the exact same. I mean, yeah. maybe his techniques are slightly different and everything, but he is the exact same. The team ethos is the exact same. The team support staff is the exact same. Yes, the players change, but the way they roll doesn't change. You know, I mean, there's a there's a similarity between the way Udonis Haslam and Bam Adebayo approach the game. They're very different type of players. Sure. And um, it's comforting. <laughs> their their um, their way of doing business, even though it's um, so unique, is is to me comforting. To hear Ira Winderman ask a question that annoys Eric Spolstra after the game, <laughs> Ira asks. Every time. 95% of Iris questions have an have an or in them. He'll say <laughs> and in the in the the second half of the question will always sort of be the like the the the, the off ramp. It'll be right. Eric, were you guys absolutely horrible in that third quarter? Or, or... <laughs> was it just a matter of their team hitting shots? Right. <laughs> and Sometimes Eric's, you know, you can just see it in his eyes, you know. Um, so I find the heat like uh, like apple pie. It's it's right. just so comforting, right. and um, and uh, you know, I, I I just have come to really really respect the way they handle their business. And and Bam, to me, is a guy who is just the epitome of that. You know, he handles his business, and yes, he knows the stats, but he also knows that. He's not going to chase the block to get to 1.4. He's still going to play the scheme. It's the start of the new year. Every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make? 
that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? Well, it's LinkedIn Jobs. They know that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It can be so hard to choose the right person to give them the kind of quizzes that they might need to fill out in order to make sure that they have the skills that you're looking for whenever you're hiring. But LinkedIn makes those things so much easier. They're just not another job board. They've got a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy. In fact, the 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. If you're looking to speak to somebody and you might be seeking therapy, then BetterHelp is the option for you. It's difficult to go through these kind of changes during the holidays, the new year, and everything else like that, you think uh, a lot of people see these joyous times publicly, but you might want to speak to somebody about something that's been bothering you for some time, or maybe even something that just started bothering you around the holidays. Well, there's no better option than speaking to somebody through BetterHelp, and BetterHelp makes it so easy for you to find a therapist that you might need. If, if you're looking for somebody and you think that you you want, want to benefit from therapy, then try BetterHelp. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp dot com slash lockdown ba today and you get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p dot com slash locked on nba is it fair to say that he chases those stats because he knows that those are sort of the things like the calculations he's made is if i get to these stats the team will be better around me because of it is that really what it is or is it really just I no, need this I don't, to make all NBA. I don't think he's stat focused, but I think it's the way he he uh, can sort of measure monitor improvement. Yeah, you know? fair enough. One of my favorite you know things I had in the story, and I, I related it to Bam, and he actually smiled. I had talked to a scout who was one of the scouts of the teams that they played in the playoffs last year, and he basically gave me their scouting report, you know, on Bam. And he told me, you know, it's, it's evolving a little bit. Although since I did that interview, you know, the story was supposed to come out in December and then Bam got hurt. Mm-hmm. So we waited until, you know, there was a national TV heat game. Basically, that's why we put the story out when we did. Sure. He was shooting a little bit more from the mid-range then than he is now. He, You know, when, early in the season, he really came out and was shooting more mid-range shots. He's still shooting more than he did last year, but it's not as it's not as much as part of his game. But um he liked that. <laughs> he liked that I that I was telling him what the what the scouting report is and that they may have to reevaluate that. So I think it just goes to the idea that he's in the portion of his career where he's trying to add stuff. Sure. And it's not easy to do that. And yeah, if it comes along with getting the awards and getting the money, I mean he's gonna get the money. He's you know, he's going to get another giant contract, if not two. Um but I, I do think that it's a way for him to chart the way he's getting better. And I also think that he probably was a little disappointed by the way the finals went last year. I know he had a couple of good games. The order was impossible. Mm-hmm. What he was being asked to do in the finals. He was playing against an incredibly incredible big man at the top of his powers. But I think that he, you know, wishes he was a little bit better equipped. I mean, I, I didn't even get into the story about the 2020 finals. Obviously, 
I mean, I didn't need to go over old ground. Obviously, when he looks back at that finals, he there's a, a whole giant amount of what ifs for him. Right. Sure. Um, and the whole team. But, um, you know, he's just talking about this one saying like, look, if I had just been a little healthier, maybe I would have had a better shot against Jokic. And so, you know, he's trying. But, you know, the interesting thing will be with the 65 game requirement, like on one hand, he's saying that he's thinking in November about June. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, he's playing through this hip injuries to the point where Spolstra had to sit him down and yank him out of the, out of the active list. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's the thing, like he wants to make all NBA, but he also wants to be healthy at the end of the season. So it's an interesting, you know, you know, challenge for him that, you know, sometimes being the tough guy is, is, is willing to sit, is, is sitting down. Where, Where does he rank among the top candidates for defensive player of the year? Because I think there's, a concern from heat fans that he's never going to be really I know. or realistically considered for it because his defense just, as you pointed out, like he just does not accumulate those statistics to the point where if you don't watch the heat religiously, you might not notice what Bam does for 48 minutes while he's out on the floor. So where do you think he ranks and what would it take for him in order to generate even more attention as a realistic candidate? Well, you're asking the wrong person because two years ago <laughs> I voted for him for for defensive player of the year. You were right. <laughs> um, I and and I mean the, the way I came to that was I don't remember my memory isn't photographic like this. I was struggling with the decision, and so I called like three or four head coaches. And uh, this is something that the coach will call you back on. You know, um, mm -hmm. Tom Thibodeau won't call you back on certain things, but if you say, Coach, tell me who who you you know is your who I should vote for for defensive player of the year, my phone rang like that. <laughs> uh and i mean i mean you know i don't get betraying but tibbs told me to with bam you know i talked to you know several guys and bam's name kept coming up and so i mean first off what it takes to defend all five positions i mean the thing about it is like i don't trust my eye enough to know who the best defensive player i mean there's certain things that i can see and say, man, this guy really, really works hard. Like, you don't have to be a genius and an X's and O's guy to watch Drew Holiday and say, right. my God, you know, right. what an incredible player. Um, or Giannis, because I think may maybe Giannis isn't as good as he was a couple of years ago, but, you know, what, right. what Giannis does defensively has been pretty great. Um, but the guys who are breaking down the film and also understand the coverages, because, you know, that's a big thing. Like, sometimes you can be quote unquote, get a defensive statistic and actually not play the correct coverage. So right. when it comes to defensive, the, 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 the all defensive teams, you know, it used to be picked by the assistant coaches and I would not be opposed to it going back to that. The problem is, is that there's so many politics. Like the thing about media voting, um, anybody who wants to say anything about media voting for awards, you can say whatever you want. I promise you it's the least evil. I promise you, because mm -hmm. I'm telling you, one of the biggest scandalous award voting out there is the executive of the year, which is where the executives vote for each other. Yeah. And over the course of the years, there have been some heinous stuff go on that executive of the year voting, mm. including the year that the Heat signed LeBron and Bosch. Oh, sure. They technically tied with the Bulls for executive of the year, but that wasn't actually true because a lot of people gave John Paxson votes and then a couple people gave Gar Foreman votes. Uh. 
technically the Bulls got more votes than the Heat. They called it a tie. I think because it would be so embarrassing if the Heat didn't get it the year that they pulled off the greatest offseason in history of pro sports. Um, that's just one example. I'm telling you, the backstabbing and that stuff is horrible. Then you look, remember that remember for a couple of years the players did the players' awards? Yeah. Yes. You know those went away fast. <laughs> there was some embarrassing stuff going on there. And then you just look at their their voting for the all-star team every year. Right. They don't take it seriously. So yeah, and like the fans, obviously, they've almost voted for Zaza Pachulia to start the All-Star game. So, yeah, I agree. It ain't perfect. It's the best we got. But when it comes to the defensive evaluations, I don't think we're equipped. Mm. Um, you may know your team. Like if you're a real conscientious beat writer or you're a real conscientious fan, you may know your team. But I'm sorry. You just I, – I know enough to know that I don't know. So on those – awards um i surveyed co i use um so what you're asking me is how can bam do it give it back to the assistant coaches and the, <laughs> because <laughs> i just because i don't think he will as far yeah, as man. i mean should he make a because i think he, he didn't even make the did he, did he make second team last year yes I okay on all defense yeah i think i put him on second team i i don't i, I you know he didn't have a great post all-star break last year right yeah so um but I definitely voted for him two years ago, and uh, and you can check the receipts. Unless my ballot got screwed up, I definitely voted for him because. Uh, but you know, I think it's going to be hard to answer your question. Well, that was yeah. the year where he could have made it because that was the year Marcus Smart had it, and almost felt like you know, we just sort of gave it to Marcus Smart on behalf of all guards. Um, so you know, that was that was a little interesting. But uh, the last question on on Bam before we get to some other things here and zoom out. But uh, any anecdotes? Because I'm just fascinated from the reporting aspect of a story like that. Any any reporting anecdotes that hit the cutting room floor that you feel like sharing? I can't remember other than I can't remember. That's a good question. You know, the problem is I I actually wrote the story <laughs> two months ago in right. December, and then it sat around for a month, and then I updated it. Right. Um, but you know, I really appreciated Bam. First off, Bam gave me time on a game day. Mm. Oh yeah. Which, um, when I say gave me time, like we had a, a sit down interview mm. on a game day. Um, that doesn't happen. And I think the reason he did that because I think he's like, look, I would not mind some attention for my play. You know, he was right. just killing. He's still having a great year, but he was killing yeah, right. at that point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, um, I love how open he was and, and, and continues to be about, I want defensive player of the year. I want all NBA. I want all those things. Like I said, it kind of goes opposite of the heat nature, but he can get away with it. Not everybody can get away with it, but he can get away with it because nobody questions the work ethic or the dedication or the fact that it really is like, okay, I want to win. And he wants to do all that. Like at some point you earn that ability to be like, I want these things. And I think that that's okay. It's almost refreshing. Also, I'll say this. He's a max player yeah. who won a gold medal. That's the other thing. Like, I was, there was almost nobody in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, <laughs> I've covered Team USA for the last six years. I, I covered Team USA when they went to China uh, in 2019. And while Greg Popovich is a very difficult person to cover, he was very kind and let us watch practices before that world cup. And, and that they, they were still doing roster decisions 
mm. the training. I mean, now those appear to be over. It appears like they're going to name the team before training camp. But back then they had a, a roster fight. And frankly, Popovich alienated some people because he elevated Derek White, his point guard, off the select team over some other guys like Trey Young and um, De'Aaron Fox. And you notice that you know they haven't been in USA basketball since. Um, I thought Bam was killing. So this would have been yeah. the 2000 summer of 2019. I really didn't know Bam was as good as he was. Um, and I thought Bam killed it in that um, uh, that uh, that training camp. And then mm-hmm. they cut him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Bam gave Team USA a gift by not playing for Nigeria. You know, Nigeria qualified <laughs> – for the right for the for the Olympics, he had not played for Team USA. His fa- I believe his father is Nigerian. Yeah, I my get I know the Nigerian team was a little bit disorganized. Mike Brown was the coach, but like I'm sure they could have got him a passport. <laughs> <laughs> he he <laughs> he gave the Americans a gift. Yeah, uh, by playing in Tokyo, and so like that Tokyo situation. My perception of it was that people really weren't paying attention to it because if you remember, the team was training like in between, like during the finals. Right. And then they immediately went and the Olympics was kind of off schedule and free agency in the draft was going on. Like literally there was a practice day and and Popovich and Kerr weren't available to talk to the media because they were drafting players. (laughs) Um, So I feel like that, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, America won. Okay, cool. Well, you know, what's on TV? Like they had to work their ass off to win that. Mm. And Bam like was getting, you know, playing against all these lumbering European guys. Like I respected him. I respect anybody who was on that team and went over in Tokyo and it wasn't like the bubble in, in Orlando. I understand, but it was, it was close. You know, yes, they were allowed to like leave their hotel room, but we were still in Japan Mm -hmm. and Japan was shut down. Um, so I respected what he did there. And I had watched him go from getting cut and he could have played for Nigeria and didn't played for the U S and he brought home a gold medal. So like what I'll say about Bam is this, the man's played in two finals. He's been an all-star several times. He has a max contract. He is, he is universally respected by his peers. Maybe if you go out and ask somebody on the street, who's the best centers in the NBA, they won't list him. And maybe he wants to be in that list fair, but he has been, he has worked hard and he has gotten just desserts. Maybe not everything, but I'm not going to lay awake tonight and say, boy, bam, it's not working out for him. Cause I, I (laughs) I do think it is. It's very fair. Um, the Heat are 20 and 14 as we sit here. That's even with Bam having missed 10. Jimmy's missed 10. Tyler Hero's missed 18 games. They're fourth place now in the Eastern Conference. Um, kind of looking ahead, trade deadline in February. Like, are they content with the roster? Should they be content with the roster and, and where everything stands? I will quote Eric Spolstra. <laughs> we have enough. Yeah. Um, they are not one of the three best teams, in my opinion, but I would have said that a year ago. They will remain opportunistic. Um, every time a star becomes available, the heater an option. Um, you know, people remember the ones that they've hit on. Yeah, they remember LeBron. They remember Bosch. They remember 
Butler, but the Heat have missed out on a lot of guys too. Sure. But they're in it for almost every single one. So, you know, like they'll be in it. And, you know, what they do is, is they put themselves in position um, to where when they connect, they'll be ready to go. And so what I would say to a Heat fan is they'll give you a team that you'll be proud to root for. Maybe they don't make it out of the first round this year. Maybe they make the conference finals. Maybe in February they trade for a superstar. Maybe they don't do it till July. You know, Um, it was not the greatest summer for them when um, they missed out on, on uh, Lillard. And then he goes to the team that ensures that Giannis extends probably not their best day. But, you know, no heat organization. Okay, we're going to keep going. That's not, you know, they don't uh, they don't process stuff like that. They just keep going. And, you know, they are, they are blessed with the fact that they're in Miami and they have those advantages, yet they never lean on that. Mm. So um, uh, they will remain a factor. And so we'll see. Spolstra will have those those uh, those those sleeves rolled up. Um, no team changes from November to to July uh, April like the Heat do every single year. The Heat, you know, you talk to these scouts. Typically, by mid season or so, the scouts have the teams down. They know what they run. When they're when they have to come back and recheck them, it's sort of an easy you know it's an easier night. Not with the Heat. They have to go in fresh in March, just like they do in November, because Spolstra does it. So, like, I don't even know what the Heat are going to look like in March. Like, even if they don't make a trade, they'll be a different team. Like, how do I know Jovic isn't going to come alive? You know, and like, that's what people should have been in LA should have been talking about last night. They should have been mm-hmm. talking about not that there's anything wrong with Hood Shafino. Like, he may end up being a quality player, but Hood Shafino went 17 and Hawkes went 18. Right. And you know, I don't even follow the draft. I don't have, I don't have the bandwidth because I do the playoffs. I I don't have the bandwidth right now to like know what Isaiah Collier is doing. Like I talk to executives and I talk to scouts and I talk to like Jonathan Gavoni and he briefs me a lot of guys. I don't even see him play until summer league. Okay. Now, obviously the top players I'm making my business, but like even doing surface level analysis, just, okay, the finals ended. I got to get ready to do some draft work. It was like, boy, Jaime Jaquez is a heat player. Mm. (laughs) So when they got him, here's the other thing, you know, Riley spends a lot of time in LA. Um, Chet Kammerer, who's Mm -hmm. their longtime scout, lives in LA. Um, If you're a good player in LA, the heat have seen you a lot of times. Right. And, you know, it was funny. Um, Recently, it was Bronny James's first game, or oh. maybe his second game, uh, or whatever. He was playing in Auburn. And um, this guy that I know who works in Alabama sent me a video of Bronny warming up. And right behind him in the first row, taking notes is Adam Simon. Mm-hmm. You know, the Heat are out there doing it. So, as soon as I saw, you know, again, I didn't know Jaime Hawkes' game. Like, I couldn't, like, say, oh, yeah, great pick. But, like, I knew just surface level. I was like, that is a Heat player. Right. 
And um, so it's not surprising at all that he's worked out, although yeah. he's obviously better than anybody thought he would be. But I remember the first time I got to see him play in person was in Chicago this year. And um, he was matched up against, against Patrick Williams. And Patrick Williams is the guy who's picked nine, age 19, incredible athletic gifts. Right. Jaime Hawkins is picked at age 22, not as incredible athletic gifts. Mm-hmm. But you watch and like literally Hawkins does everything better. His footwork is better. His ball handling is better. His positioning is better. And Williams is in his – and I'm not even saying this to um, drag on Patrick Williams. I'm just saying right. like these two guys are the same age. One of them has been in the NBA for six weeks. One of them in the NBA for four years. And Hawkins like does everything more proficiently. Right. Um, but it, but that was interesting to see Hood Shafino and Hawkes play against each other, and and um, so that would you know it's yeah. who knows where he'll be by yeah. March. <laughs> if you're trying to eat a little healthier in 2024, Hungry Root is here to rescue from short-lived resolutions by making meal planning easy and nutritious. You can build healthy habits that don't disappear by February with Hungry Root. Listen, who doesn't want to try to start off a diet or make a, a resolution for themselves to eat a little healthier once the start of the new year comes around? That's why Hungry Root is the best option for you. You can save money. You can reduce food waste because Hungry Root can help you save up to 30% on food waste each week. It saves time. Customers can save up to five hours per week using Hungry Root without the stress of grocery and meal planning. Sometimes it just you just get out of work and you just want to go right home. You don't want to deal with groceries. That's why Hungry Root is such a great option. Plus, you can get 40% off and free veggies for life if you use a special code. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and sample recipes all in one place. Take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your goals and how you like to eat. They'll ask what flavors you like, what kitchen appliances you use, and more. And then they figure everything that you might need with your preferences and what groceries you might get and what recipes you could use to incorporate them. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On Heat listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget to use our link just so they know we sent you. Well, you, you mentioned you mentioned the off season, and I think a lot of Heat fans are kind of a little upset about how the national uh, fan bases and media have portrayed Miami's assets. And I'm curious, from your insider's perspective, knowing these front offices as well as you do, how do other teams evaluate Miami's talent? Because you see, even players that have been in the league for a while, let, let's say Gabe Vincent, like he can go and join a Lakers team, and obviously he's been dealing with injury. But it just seems like they find a way to thrive in Miami and can't thrive elsewhere. So how do other teams evaluate and value what Miami has on their roster in terms of whether or not they are actually talented enough to play at a high level? It's a mixed bag because the Heat are always careful with overpaying role players. I think Struess is doing pretty well in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, And um, I certainly think that um, they appreciate his professionalism. I think he's brought a lot to them, just more than just being their starting small forward. Um, I think people from the moment that Hero signed that contract thought it was a little bit, a little bit high. Now, subsequently, you've seen some other guys 
get paid in that realm and it doesn't look out of line. Um, I think the hero contract for a guy who's viewed as a one-way player, you know, I think hero is what he is, but I think that contract is a little bit of an issue. And I, you know, it's funny that you think about that if you were Portland, because they gave, you know, Anthony Simons, another one-way player, you know, not quite as much money, but um, you know, they already invested in that. But um, I think people like hero. They just, you know, they're not sure about him. Although there's a ton of one-way players out there. Um, I think every team in the league would take out a bio in five seconds. I think any 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 trade discussion with the Heat, you have to at least ask for Bam until you're told no. <laughs> uh, I think he's I think he's a extremely high value player because not only does he guard one through five, but he can pull the ball off the rim and go down and start your offense. That's the new frontier. Big men, it was expected that you know, okay, big men, now you must shoot. Well, now big men play like Nikola Jokic. Get the rebound, go down, and if even and even if you can't start the offense like Bam can, go down there and operate the offense, be a mm. be a creator. So I think Bam is, you know, I know Bill Simmons used to do that uh, trade value thing. Mm. Bam would be way way up. I, in, in my view, he's probably the most valued player on the Heat. I would value Jovic. I saw Jovic shoot the hell out of the ball in Manila, and I know he is so young. And he's got a lot to work on. He's six ten, right? <laughs> he's twenty. Like to, and I would never, ever, ever put myself up as a personnel evaluator. I, I know what I don't know. But if I was looking at the Heat and I was having a trade conversation, Jovic is way high up there. Mm. Jovic, Hakez, Bam Adebayo, three extremely valued pieces um without question um after that you know you could get into a debate you know they have the couple of firsts that they're still holding on to um but you know the what they have really is the expiring contract right you know is is kyle's expiring contract so we'll see what if that yields anything but but that's you know those are you know um you know I rank, I, I, you know, without doing like serious re- research into it, that's off the top of my head. Yeah. Last question, Brian, we really appreciate the time here, but uh, we, we, we have to ask Donovan Mitchell, you've been all over this, this story. What, what's the latest on him? Is this something that could happen before February? Uh, is this more of an off season topic? Uh, what do you got? So I don't know if you got, I'm sure you guys did, but uh, this season um, before the season, uh, Calvin Booth from the Nuggets gave this interview Mm. To the ringer to Kevin O'Connor. Yeah. Right. It's probably the best. If it's not the best, it's one of the best interviews I've ever seen an executive give. Now he apparently thought some of it was off the record. Yep. (laughs) But in that thing, he said overlap is a silent killer. He was talking about the um Lob City Clippers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh where, you know, Griffin and DeAndre Jordan were just super talented, but they couldn't stretch the floor and it, you know, and um J.J. Redick and Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer. J.J. Redick is, uh, you know, one of the best shooters of his era. But they neither of them could defend uh, bigs. They were too little undersized. Not big, big men, but you know, big wings. Yeah. And twenty years into my career, very rarely do I hear a, a concept in basketball where I'm like, "Oh my God, 
stops and makes me reconsider things. And boy, is that true. He was talking about how they built the Nuggets. Where, you know, they didn't want to have any overlap. They wanted to have everybody kind of fit together. They didn't. Mm. And you look at the Cavs and their overlap is it's all overlap. It's really problematic. And what's going yeah. on right now? Evan Mobley has been out, and Jared Allen is averaging 22, 16, and six, six assists because in 2024, it's really hard to have a non shooting four and a non shooting five. And when Allen is, has the floor space because they've been playing George Niang, who's not headed to the Hall of Fame, but they've been spacing the floor a little bit more, and, and the Cavs have been winning at the same clip without Garland and and Mobley as they were before. And that's not an indictment on those two players. It's an mm-hmm. issue of their overlap. So they have two big men who overlap, and then they have two undersized perimeter players who need the ball and don't defend, and that's Mitchell and Garland. And so overlap is kind – I don't say it's killing them, but I think it's – they're not getting out of their talent what they need to get out of their talent. And so and I think they're in fifth or sixth, mm-hmm. and maybe they'll finish fifth or sixth. But, you know – Will Donovan extend under these circumstances? Not everybody thinks so. Mm. And, um, you know, can't really let him go into the last year of his contract. So I think it's going to be hard for the Cavs to come to that conclusion or decision either way, whether it's keep him or not by February, because I think that they just – I think they'd like to see this team out. And I also, you you know, I've had a lot of conversations about would it be smarter for the Cavs to trade a player in February or wait till the summer? And smart people disagree on that. Mm. Mm. So it's a really big decision. Um, I don't know if they're going to be there. When I say decision, I don't mean whether whether they're going to trade him or not. I don't know if they're going to get there. But certainly um, one of the things that I think when you start to think about what the Knicks could trade for him, you know, the position that the Cavs are in, they don't control their draft after this year. They don't control their draft for five years. Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to Utah. So they really can't make a rebuild trade. Now that doesn't mean you wouldn't, you know, if you, if the assets, you take the best assets in a star trade, even if those end up being draft picks, but it's very, you know, the concept of them sinking backwards isn't appealing because they don't control their draft. Mm-hmm. So, probably on the other side of any big trade, whether it's for Donovan or one of their other players, they probably need to have guys who can retrofit their team now. Mm. And the Knicks, the two players I thought would fit that bill would be Barrett and Quickly. Certainly in any kind of Mitchell trade, you would have wanted draft picks as well, but those were the two players I thought that would fit the Cavs. One is a controllable player in rookie contract, another guy on a, you know, a starter quality player on an okay contract. Some people it's bad. I think it's okay. And then draft picks. So the Knicks have now made that move. So any sort of, you know, it doesn't mean that they can't find another way, but I would think that the Knicks chances of trading for Donovan were he to become available may have dimmed mildly, which would mean that the Heat's position, if they want Donovan, I don't even know if they do, Hmm. would become a little bit more interesting. Um, But, you know, 
again, I don't know where the Cavs are, like on Jovic and Hawkins. Yeah. Like that's you know, those are the two names I'd be thinking about. Um, so I don't know. I, I think to be determined, and I think when I say to be determined, it's not just a cop out answer. I think the Cavs have a lot of very hard decisions to make. And right. one of the things that's happened is these two guys have gone out and they've watched Jared Allen like explode is they got to be really hard evaluating what they're going to do. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get to any firm decisions by early, early February. Well, Brian, thanks so much for joining us. We took up way too much of your time. Um, for anybody listening that doesn't know, I, I, you're everywhere on ESPN. Um, read the story. Uh, Miami's Bayam Adebayo once in on the NBA's list of elite big men. Again, we'll uh, keep that link in the show notes. But, Brian, thanks so much. We really appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Have a Brian. great weekend. You too. You too. Thanks again to Brian Windhorst for joining the show. Thanks to you for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel.